This week's pity party was to celebrate the little things. Did you take out the trash? Send that email you've been procrastinating? Finally drop that return off at the post office? The award goes to you. By my second semester in music school, I had more or less decided to drop out. But I couldn't yet be honest with myself that I was done. Because that would mean that the last two years of my life had been a waste instead of a victory. All the training, the auditions, the move back across the country to what was supposed to be a great opera program, what had it all been for? I couldn't admit that I was done singing unless I had something else to go toward. So consciously or unconsciously, I turned back to playwriting. I registered for an undergrad intro class, even though I already had a BFA in the subject. I figured I could crush it and I needed to crush something. I imagined I would take this class, write a great play and use it to get me into grad school and get me the hell out of here. And then one morning, maybe six weeks into the semester, I had a dream. My dreams rarely make an impact on me, but from the first moment, this one was different, more alive somehow. In it, two children were playing in a basement. They played ordinary games, banging action figures together, making tea. But it was clear to me in the dream that they were also rehearsing for the rest of their lives in that playroom, practicing for the people they would become in every game and every fight. So I watched it all play out for what felt like 10 minutes. And then from offstage somewhere, I heard a voice say, This is the next play. And then I woke up. And I am not someone who receives messages in dreams. I'm just not that woo-woo. Or maybe I am that woo-woo, but it's only happened once. And maybe because it had never happened before, or because the dream remained so vivid, I took that voice seriously. And even though it was still early in the morning, I got up and went to my desk and started to write. I wrote for something like four hours until I had almost made myself late for a music theory test that seemed even more pointless now. Then between that test and my next class, I found a computer lab on campus and kept going. The pages just unspooled for me even after I got past that opening scene. The events unfolded as if I were watching them. The dialogue came out as if I were taking dictation, being fed lines by an offstage voice. And I am not that woo-woo. I finished the first act the next morning, 45 pages or so. Within a week, the whole play was written, and I liked it in a way that I didn't like anything I had done in two years. It was good, weird and funny and gut-wrenching. It was good enough to let me formulate a new plan for my future. Good enough to let me drop out of music school. So I revised it and I sent it out with six MFA applications, a few long shot schools and a few safeties. 
And then I tried to put it out of mind for a couple of months, but of course my heart started racing at the mailbox weeks before I could have possibly gotten an answer. And then finally the answer came. Six single sheet rejections. And by then I had dropped out of music school with no plan and no direction. And I never showed that play to anyone again. And 17 years later, I haven't written another. And I've wondered from time to time what to make of that incident, of that dream, of that voice, what to make of the sense of possibility it opened up in me. Or not just possibility, but but promise. The assurance that something big was happening, something significant, something that would change my life. The certainty that the rest of my life was beginning in that moment. And one day I'd tell the story of it all starting with a dream and a voice. And then it all went nowhere. Had no impact on anyone. And I've wondered what it meant or if it meant anything. What was the point of it all? The church in Philippi is struggling with that same kind of anxiety. Their founder, Paul, is in prison. He may be killed. They sent one of their members to care for him, and that person got sick and almost died too. So Paul sent them home and sent them home with a letter. And even though we don't get to hear the church members directly, we can hear their anxiety in Paul's attempt to calm them down. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind, he writes, already laying it on a little thick, that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. That's the message version of the Bible, which if you don't know is the version that sounds like a pastor trying too hard. But in this case, I think it captures perfectly the sound of a pastor trying too hard. Paul knows that the people are worried. He's no stranger to anxious congregations. And under normal circumstances, he would just go there and calm their fears. That's his MO. He he goes into a community and stirs it up with the stories of Jesus, with the possibility of changed lives and the promise of a different world. And when the people can see where it's all headed, when a community has gathered, he moves on to the next town. But he keeps checking in with letters and visits, keeps them moving toward their goal. Sure, it will all pay off. Until now. Now it seems like it might all be over. The visits and the letters, the community and the new world that they were working on. They have such a long way to go. And without Paul, what are their chances? It all feels so fragile suddenly, like it might come to nothing. This church that seemed to come together overnight in that woo-woo kind of way the feeling they had that this was just the beginning of the rest of their lives. Now for the first time, they can imagine it coming to an end and they wonder what it means. If this is as far as they get, 
All the time and effort that they've put in, all the work and love they've given toward creating God's world, which they're nowhere near completing. If it's over now, what was the point of it all? And Paul wants to assure them in the strongest possible terms that that no matter what, the work of love is never a waste. The work that God has started in them, he wants to make them understand that if they're doing that work, the work that they're created for, God will bring it to fruition. However small it seems now, however interrupted, however failed, however imperfect, whether anyone has ever noticed it, in the heart of God, it has meaning and substance and weight. Your work, your effort, your lives are seen and held by God. Paul says, and God will bring them to a finish, a a flourishing finish. It may not just be the church's anxiety that Paul is trying to calm, facing down the possibility of his own death. Philippi had been a special place for him. He uses the word joy like 14 times in this letter, and that's not like, that's not who he is. (laughs) This was going to be one of his success stories. And now they're struggling. He can see the cracks appearing. What are the chances they'll make it if he dies? You can hear him trying to reassure himself in the next section, talking about his own life and death. I don't know which I prefer. That's a direct quote. He tells them, if I live, I get to work with you. If I die, I get to be with Jesus. So I win either way. But if I'm that excited to work with you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that means I'm going to live and this will all keep going and totally not come crashing down around us. So don't worry at all. But also if I do die, which again, I'm definitely not going to, but just as a thought experiment, if I did, maybe keep doing things the way I told you to do them, okay? That part is not a direct quote, but it is the gist. Read Philippians 1, 21 to 27 and tell me if I lied. In his own anxiety, Paul says what he knows is true, even if he's struggling to believe it. No matter what, despite every appearance to the contrary, whether you're able to trust it in this moment or not, the good work that God has begun in you will be brought to completion. It will pay off. It does amount to something. It is meaningful. It matters. And God will see it through. Those words are for you too. In the deep shittiness of this moment. If you have lost a job or lost direction, if you have lost time or lost loved ones, if you've had relationships interrupted or dreams deferred or projects put on hold, if everything is just slower and more challenging and less satisfying trying to do it online, If your work for love and justice in the world feels like it's starting over again and again. If even before this present shitty moment, it felt like you had failed, like you had hit a dead end, a false start, or it felt like you succeeded in something good and meaningful and no one saw or cared. 
and it all went nowhere and made no impact and came to nothing. If you felt that way at any point or if you feel that way right now, take it from me, the God who started this great work in you, the God who started the great work of you will keep at it no matter what. God will bring it to a finish. A flourishing finish, a fantastic flourishing finish, definitely for sure, one hundo p. Even if it sounds like I'm trying to convince myself. This February, after five years of working on it off and on, I finished the draft of a book about birds and God and my life. I poured my heart and soul into it. The biggest things that have happened to me, my biggest, most important stories. And I think parts of it are really good. And a couple weeks after the first draft was done, a publisher agreed to read it. And it felt like the beginning of something for me, something I had been hoping for for a long time. And I sent it off the next morning at 5 a.m. And this week will be eight months with no response. And I don't know if it's disinterest or COVID or for complicated reasons that I'd be happy to explain to you one-on-one at length. I'm not sure if she even got the email. And I don't really know where to go with it from here or whether it will go anywhere at all or what it means if it doesn't, or whether it means anything. And it's fine, don't worry about it. It's just one example among absolutely everything. All the work, all the stories, all the love, these these small victories, these giant defeats, this incomplete life, does it mean anything at all? Does it add up to anything in the end? There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind. That's it for now. As always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Gilead Chicago. Our website is www.gileadchicago.org. We'll see you soon.